What is up, my dudes? Welcome to Olympia Oddities. I'm Trista. And I am Steven. And today, we're going to be telling you about the unsolved disappearance of a 14-year-old girl named Misty Copsey. Misty disappeared after going to the Puyallup Fair, which is now known as the Washington State Fair, and remains the only person to ever go missing from the fair in its entire history, which is kind of crazy to think about because that's a really this. big fair. Yeah, I was going to say the same exact thing. That's I, I kind of find that hard to believe. Right? I was shocked when I heard that. I was like, wow, I would have thought that there was more disappearances just from like the sheer amount of people that visit that fair every year from like all over the state, you know? And I've never been, but yeah, just the, the, the size of it. Yeah. the Like I've been to the fair grounds before, mm -hmm. but yeah, just the size that, yeah, I, I just, wow. And it will always be the Puyallup fair to me, not the Washington state fair. Understood. And now I'm knocking stuff around. Sorry. Let's get into some of the details of the case and some of the possible suspects and theories to what could have happened to Misty Copsey as well as some interesting tactics police are using to try to get more information out there to the public. There is a trigger warning on this episode because it involves young teenagers and a mention of child sexual abuse, sexual assault, and domestic violence. So if you feel like you need to skip this one, go ahead and we'll catch you again next episode. Misty Donna Copsey was born on March 10th, 1978. Her parents divorced shortly after she was born, and she spent some time living with her grandparents near Spokane while she was a kid, but eventually moved into a home in Spanaway with her mom. Misty loved animals and wanted to be a veterinarian when she grew up. She had a stuffed bear named Smoke that she kept in her bed, even as a teenager. Misty was a pretty straight-laced teen. She didn't drink, smoke, or do any drugs. She didn't have a history of running away, and she didn't have any problems going on at home. I'm, you know, besides from, like, the usual stuff when you're a teenager, I'm sure. She was a great student, getting A's and B's in her classes, and she was an athlete who played softball, basketball, and volleyball. She was described as level-headed, but a bit naive. On September 17, 1992, Misty wanted to go to the Puyallup Fair with her friend Trina Bevard. Her mom initially wasn't going to let them go. She had to work that night, and while she could drive them there, she wouldn't be able to pick them up when, the when it was time to come home. The girls talked her into a plan where they would catch the bus back to the house, and she decided to finally let them go. They spent the day at the giant fairgrounds, probably gazing at cute baby animals and enjoying a cow chip cookie before getting on the terrifying tower that is the Extreme Scream. Have you seen that thing? I think I've seen it. Is that the, is that like the power drop one or whatever? Yeah. It's that big tower that like it takes you all the way up and then it just like drops you like as fast as it can. I've been on one of those before, like one like it, but I've I've only been on one and I want to do a taller one. I would never get on that thing and I have never been and I probably will never will be. I want to do it. No. But at the you same time. You can do time, it alone and I'll take a video of you. But at the same time, I did, I'm, I might be down for that. I was about to say. <laughs> but at the same time, I have had this weird phobia because there was this weird uptick in like fair and carnival just ride mishaps. And that got me all in the heebie-jeebies about that. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think you're going to be seeing me on a carnival ride or a fair ride at all. At least anytime soon things started to go awry when they were ready to go home and they realized that they had missed the 840 pierce transit bus that was supposed to take them back to misty's neighborhood in spanaway misty called her mom and told her that they had missed the bus and that she was going to get a ride with a friend of hers reuben schmidt reuben was 18 years old and misty and trina were just 14 and misty's mom did just did not trust reuben at all so she told misty that she should try to find a ride with someone else Misty then decided that she would try to walk back to her house, a distance of about eight miles. And that's not a short walk, you know what I mean, at night? No, it's not. 
especially from Puyallup to like Spanaway, that's just like not a walk that I would want to make as a 14 year old girl alone at night. Which is kind of funny because earlier I was just thinking like, that's not that, that's really not that long of a distance of like a ride. And then when you said that she was going to walk that, I was just kind of like, that's long. Yeah. (laughs) I found two accounts of witnesses that were both, that were both described as the last people who saw her. And the first was a bus driver at around 930 that night. She'd been at a bus stop and asked the driver if the bus could take her home, but that bus's route wasn't headed to Spanaway. Another witness saw her at 10 p.m. in downtown Puyallup. She'd been walking along Meridian Road towards the westbound on-ramp of Highway 512. Misty never arrived home and hasn't been seen since. Misty's mother had contacted her relatives and Misty's friends and learned that none of them had any idea where Misty was, so she reported her missing the next morning. Reuben Schmidt had been one of those that she called, and he said that she had asked him for a ride home, but he hadn't had enough gas to make the trip, so he didn't end up going. Frustratingly, in the beginning, the police were dead set on the idea that Misty had run away from home. Weird possible sightings of Misty helped steer them down this path, like when one classmate of Misty's claimed that Misty had called her and told her that she was okay, and another classmate said that she thought she saw Misty on September 21st. Both of these classmates barely knew Misty, but investigators prematurely closed the case and somehow even falsely informed the media that Misty had been found. Which is like, how does that happen? Kids, man. I was about to say, there was somewhere back here where it was... Oh, man. I can't exactly remember now. Um, But yeah, kids are just weird. Like, if they just see something that they just, like, think resembles a person, like, they're just... They'll just kind of go with that and just kind of take that as truth. Like, it's just like like, it's just like an eyewitness, like, oh, yeah, I saw her. And then they just kind of, you know... Oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, they could have seen like just a girl who even looked like her or just heard their parents panicking about her being gone and been like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And then you have just like some bad investigators that just kind of take that eyewitness account and just run with that. And it's just that's just yeah, that's just bad investigating. Well, it just seems like it would take one phone call to her mom to actually figure out that she's not back home before you decide to tell the entire media that the child's been found safe when they're in fact not safe. It's just very poor investigating. Even when informed that she had not in fact been found, she was and that she was still missing and very possibly in danger, investigators refused to reopen the investigation into her disappearance for weeks. Which is like crucial time when it comes to, you know, obtaining security camera footage, yeah, say, that's witnesses, and, and just the fact that the more time that goes on, you know, the less chances they have that they're going to find her alive. Mm-hmm. Shortly after her disappearance, there was another unconfirmed sighting of her in northern Minnesota, but nothing ever came of this possible lead. It wasn't until five months later, in December of 1992, when police finally decided to interview Trina Brevard and Ruben Schmidt, did they finally realize that Misty's disappearance most likely involved foul play. Five months after she went missing. I was about to say, that's a that's an unhealthy gap. The investigation on this was just, if you can even call it that, it was a joke. Uh, when investigators interviewed Trina, she told them that Ruben was supposed to give them a ride home that night. She said that he had told them that he couldn't pick them up because he didn't have enough gas in his car for the trip. Misty then made another phone call to him and told him to go inside her house and get money for gas, fill up his car, and then come pick them up. Ruben still refused, explaining that he didn't even have enough gas to get to Misty's house, which was about six miles away from his own house. Trina said that after that, the girls came up with a plan that Trina would walk home and Misty would take the bus. 
Trina said that she and Misty separated around 8.45 that night. Investigators soon discovered, though, that Trina had been lying about part of her story. She hadn't walked home. She'd gotten a ride from her 23-year-old boyfriend. Reminder that this girl is 14. Yes. Yeah. Michael J. Renner. When interviewed again and pressed on this detail that she lied about, she explained that she'd offered Misty a ride in the car with Michael, but Misty didn't trust him, so she declined the offer. And Misty had good reason to be wary of Michael. He had no criminal history as an adult, but at 16, he had been accused of abducting and raping an 11-year-old girl at knife point. Trina said that Michael dropped her off at home and Misty had taken the bus home. Police began working on a theory that maybe Michael had returned back to the fairgrounds and somehow convinced Misty to get inside the car with him. Michael denied this and later passed a polygraph and was eliminated from the suspect's po- the police's suspect list. Which I is like, that. I feel like they probably should have looked into that a little bit harder. You know, we know that polygraphs are junk science and it just seems like he took one polygraph and they were like, well, he's innocent. It's like, well, with something like that, even if it wasn't like, or was it? One second. He had been accused, so he wasn't convicted of actually having that crime, but it's definitely a red flag. Yeah, I was about to say, and that's then a dating, red being flag. being 23 and dating a 14-year-old is another gigantic, glaring red flag. I know, absolutely. There's so many people in the story that just give off, like, giant red flags that it's like, ugh. It's so many problems. Both of Misty's parents were given polygraphs, and they both passed. Police do not consider either of them to be suspects in her disappearance. So, parents are ruled out. Interestingly, when police interviewed Ruben Schmidt, the guy who was supposed to give them a ride but didn't have enough gas, he confirmed Trina's story about how the night went down, but also told the police that he suffered from blackouts most of his life, and he couldn't remember anything that had happened that night after his second phone call with Misty. He told them that he had awoken up the next morning at his grandma's farm in Enumclaw, and that he was alone when he woke up. That's weird. It's super weird. When investigators asked him if it was possible that he could have had a blackout and ended up harming Misty, he told them, I don't know. Ruben took a polygraph exam, but the results came out inconclusive, and investigators thought that he was trying to have an influence over his results. And I couldn't find more inf- information on that, um, but he was doing something that made them think that he was like trying to influence the machine or like the test in some way that's yeah that's strange mm-hmm. it's also concerning that his answer was i don't know and not like and also no black- i didn't do it i would never hurt anyone it was just i don't know and the blackout thing yeah is the super blackout weird. thing yeah yeah i was about to bring that up the blackout thing is just that's that almost seems like you're just saying that to kind of cover something up or just kind of just an escape goat to i don't remember this i don't remember doing this hold on did you just say an escape goat yes i did i did by accident <laughs> We were, we, were, we were watching goat videos earlier, and then I just got goats on the mind. Sorry. This is such a dark episode that I just, I just my brain locked onto that because it was like the only funny thing that's happened so far. I know. This is also upsetting. It is. It's been a long week, and we're, we're covering a heavy story, too. Oh, everyone needs an escape goat. And we need, yes, I was about to say, we had the videos of the goats as our escape goat. investigators searched for misty periodically from 1992 into 1993 
On February 7, 1993, four months after her disappearance, a small private search party found underwear, jeans, shoes, and one of the socks that matched the description of the clothing Misty was wearing when she went missing. The clothes were muddy and had been found in a ditch near the intersection of State Highway 410 and Waco Road, near the Mud Mountain Dam area. Investigators believe that the clothes had been there for quite some time, out and exposed to the elements. Spooky. Like, how did, how did those get there? Yeah, right? Like, did they dump them there to try to get rid of them? Or is that just, like, her last location? Or is that, like, that's just, what the hell? Yeah, it's a, not a good sign. No. <laughs> Clothes were tested for any possible evidence, and no blood or semen was found. They did, however, find three red paint chips on Misty's jeans. Infuriatingly, somehow, these paint chips have been lost. Of course. In 2009, a DNA test was completed on the genes, and DNA from an unidentified male was found. On February 20th, 1993, Misty's hair pick and toothbrush were found about a half mile away from where her clothes had been found. She carried both of these items with her in her purse when she disappeared. So this makes me think that it's like the, uh, she was probably abducted and whoever took her is probably trying to get rid of, like, evidence by throwing it out you know what i mean just in random places yeah mm -hmm. just deep where he thinks no one will find it or just in just odd places yeah police then received a tip that reuben schmidt had told someone that he knew the location of misty's remains he said that they were located about six miles away from the spot her clothes had been found investigators made another connection reuben's grandma's farm her farm was located about six miles away from the spot searchers had found the clothes and he had told police that he had woken up there after blacking out after speaking to Misty on the night of her disappearance. That is creepy. It's also where that blackout comes into, uh, you know, convenience. Reuben admitted to the investigators that he had made the statements, but that they weren't true, and he had just said them to get people off his back. Which I don't understand how that gets people off your back in any shape, way, or form. Nope. If they think that you did a crime, confessing to the crime certainly isn't going to make people go away. That is drawing attention to yourself actively. That is sense. ringing a bunch of bells, setting off a bunch of red flags. It's just so many red flags, it can't even keep track. He agreed to do another polygraph test, and this time, he passed it. So that's one inconclusive test and one that he passed. But as we know, those are worth, you know, a fart in the wind. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Ruben still remained on the investigators' list of people of interest, though. In 1996, a friend of Misty's accused him of raping her, but refused to press charges against him two weeks later. In 2000, he was convicted of theft, and in 2006, his wife ended up getting a domestic violence order against him. She said that he had threatened to kill her and burn her house down. So there's kind of a pattern of problematic behavior there, to say the least. He probably blacked out. Another person of interest had popped up onto the police's radar, though. Cory Bobber. Cory Bobber was a local man who was really interested in the Green River Killer, hey. and he had his own suspect for who the killer was in his mind. He persistently offered his theories and ideas to the case about the police, <laughs> which I'm sure was probably annoying to them. I was about to say, I'm just imagining this man after a while just going to the police and be like, I, I think it's me. <laughs> <laughs> just after a while, he's like, I think I might be the one you're looking for, boys. Like, Corey, you've given us the name of everyone in the state of Washington. <laughs> Corey had a theory that two unsolved murders in the area were connected to the Green River case. Kimberly Delange was 
15 years old when she disappeared in 1988, and her body was found later that year. Anna Chibetnoy had been 14 years old when she vanished in 1990, and her remains were also, were also found after a short period of time. Her remains had been discovered in 1991. Both girls had disappeared from the same shopping center in Pialup, and the remains had been discovered within 100 feet of each other. That's terrifying. So that definitely sounds like those cases at least could be connected. I agree. Corey noticed that the girls had been killed two years and one month apart, so he had suggested that another girl might go missing two years and one month after Anna Chipetnoy's disappearance. Misty's disappearance does fit into the two years, one month time range. Mm. That's another thing that like gave me chills while I was working on this. The first was yeah, the blackouts that's... at the farm. The second was the farm being six miles away from where the clothes were found. And this was the third one where I was like, Ugh. I don't like, yeah, I don't like this. Shortly after Misty's disappearance, Corey Bobber contacted Misty's mom about his theory. They ended up remaining in contact for years, and curiously, it was Corey who had suggested the search where er of the area where Misty's clothes had been found. It the location where Misty's clothes were found is also just a 10-minute walk away from where the bodies of Anna Chibetnoy and Kimberly DeLang had been found. What the hell? Yeah, there's so many like weird what-the-fuck-is-even-going-on moments in this. Uh, my skin's crawling. Same. <laughs> Investigators now believe that there could be a connection between the murders of Anna and Kimberly and Misty's disappearance. Corey's weird behavior caused both the police and Misty's mom to believe that he could have had something to do with her disappearance. Corey claimed his innocence and he was scheduled to take a polygraph exam, but he later canceled this test. That's not sketchy. See, I'm going to go on a little tangent about polygraph tests. And if you go, if you're listening to this and you go and get arrested and you're like, hey, I'm going to take Trista's advice on this. Please don't do that. <laughs> I, th I just don't think that you should take one if you're innocent or if you're guilty because you can get a false positive. True. Or a false negative. True. And end up making yourself look really bad just because you're nervous that the police are interviewing you. No, I agree. I just, we, we, yeah, just whenever you bring don't it talk in, to just... cops, get a lawyer, yeah. don't take the polygraph test. That's yeah. my advice that I wouldn't recommend anyone take, but that's how I'm going to live my life. No, not I that agree. I'm, you know, not that I'm planning yeah. on getting arrested or committing any crimes, but they tell you straight up anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. Yep. Not keep talking, it will help you. Yep. This will be used against you. Yep. So sorry for that little tangent, but I feel like that's important to say because. I feel like a lot of people, their names pop up on, like, true crime lists and stuff, and it's, like, because of an inconclusive polygraph test, and it's, like, what does that even really mean? No, it's true. It's true. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same rate, this dude has been acting really sketchy. Yeah, there's definitely weird, but there's... It, and it, it's before we knew that polygraphs were, like, like we thought that was gold back yeah, then. Yeah. Like, we just like, oh, we got them! We, we got them, boys! Lock them up! Lock them up! But, like, no. That, that like back in the day like that makes him look sketchy but yeah and also yeah even by today's standards the fact that this dude didn't like lawyer up or anything like he just kind of yeah i'll take the polygraph test and then like two weeks later not even he was just, nah i think i don't think i don't think i'm gonna cancel that and in these two guys cases uh, cory bobber and ruben schmidt it's like they don't even need the polygraphs to make them look more no. as people of interest in the case than their weird behavior we Absolutely. already have 
so much weird stuff that they're doing. One guy admitting to blackouts and then the six mile connection distance. This other guy randomly being like, hey, I think you should look in this area. And then them finding her clothes there. And then that being a hundred feet away from two other cases that he was researching. It's just, there's enough weird stuff in there that it's like, even without the polygraphs, we we already have enough reason to kind of look at them and be like, huh, you know. Ooh, and maybe I'm getting a little ahead here because I don't exactly know. But do you think there may be like a small chance of a copycat killer at play? Like a copycat Green River kind of style? Kind of sort of. Or do you think that there were just like two killers in like the same area that had the same dumping grounds? I mean, that could very well be possible. For lack well of be better po- term. That could, you know, very well be possible. Oof. And now I don't like where my brain is taking this. Yeah, that's <laughs> creepy to think about. Oof. Uh, Corey doesn't have any serious criminal history, but he did spend some time in prison for some du- drug charges after Misty went missing. He also has a partial alibi for the night that she went missing because he is agoraphobic and he has never had a driver's license. I am going to say, I really don't think that, that would stop. Uh, not having a driver's license would really stop someone who wanted to commit a murder if they wanted to commit a murder. You know what I mean? Yeah, we'll have to look into that and see like what serial killers didn't have driver's license. Jack the Ripper. <laughs> he didn't have a driver's license. But he probably had his stagecoach license. <laughs> Also, his idea of who the Green River Killer was, was wrong in the end, and Gary Ratface Ridgeway is rightfully locked away in what I hope is the worst jail cell on Earth, but uh, the guy that he thought it was was later charged with raping a child. I don't know, boys, I'm telling you. I think it might be me. (laughs) I think you got the wrong man. I think it might be me. On September 17th, 2017, the Puyallup Police Department Twitter account put out a strange tweet. It read, Hi, I'm Misty Copsy. I'm missing, and I need your help. What followed was a thread of tweets written as though Misty had made them herself. The tweets shared pictures of her at her grandparents' farm and her stuffed animal, Smokey. Then the tweets described the tragedy that occurred while two teen girls were just trying to get home safely from a fun fair trip. It was the 25th anniversary of Misty's disappearance, and the police hoped that people would be inspired to come forward with information or pictures of their time at the fair that they hadn't shared previously. Captain Scott Engel told K5 News that we're really trying to show who Misty was, that she was actually a young, vibrant 14-year-old who went to the Puyallup Fair just like so many others back then. But then she, she had an outcome to that. But she had an outcome that to this day, we still have not been able to solve what happened to her. Engel said that he came up with the idea after attending a conference in California. At the conference, law enforcement from Manitoba had described their use of social media during a murder investigation, and that's what gave them the idea. The police encourage anyone who went to the fair that night and has pictures or information to contact them. Misty's mother has had an understandably rocky relationship with the police department over the years for how they mishandled her daughter's disappearance, but she worked alongside them on the Twitter project. She told the News Tribune that it's nice and stuff. I think the hope is in her case, is for somebody to come forward. Misty Copsey remains missing. She would be 44 years old now, and we hope that her family and loved ones can get the closure and justice that they deserve someday. Do you have any, like, people that you're leaning towards more in that case? I don't know. I almost think it's the dude that claims about the blackouts. 
Yeah, I wonder if they ever took any DNA from either of those two because yeah. that detail about the genes in 2009, the DNA test coming back with unidentified male DNA, it's like, well, did the cops go back and get DNA tests from these dudes? From Michael, the creepy older boyfriend of her best friend who lied about how the night went down? Weird. From the guy who claimed that he was going to pick him up and then didn't have gas and then went woke up at his grandma's farm in Enumclaw? How did that happen if he didn't have gas money? That doesn't make any sense to this weird man who just suddenly knows where her freaking clothes are. It's weird. I can't make up my mind on this one because there's just so much like... As weird as... Okay, so as weird as the dude that... uh, Yeah, I I I lean towards harmless weirdo with him. Yeah, I I think so too. I was about to say, I I think that he just kind of like got one right where he was like, oh, I think the clothes are over there. But I'm still telling you, I think I might be the Green River Killer. I'm t- I'm just saying. But sorry, okay, I'm beating that joke to death. But yeah, I think that he is just a harmless weirdo, and I almost think that this, yeah, the blackout dude. Yeah, I think I think he's got more to do with this than than he's actually saying or putting on or I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just one of those weird ones where it's like there's so many people who are just walking red flags in this case yeah. that I can't pick one. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening to another <laughs> super uplifting episode of Olympia Oddities. If you want to support the podcast, you can give us an am- amazing five-star review, specifically if you really want to do something nice for me this week. If you could go on to Spotify and write under, like if you go to our podcast page, there'll be a little thing where you can give us a review. If you could tap that, give us five stars. I would love if you did that because if we get a certain amount, it will show our rating. And right now we don't have one showing on Spotify. So I'm trying to get our ratings up on that it also make my day and i am slowly converting over from eating food to just living off of the sustenance of our good reviews so if you could do that that keeps me alive it keeps us going you can also tell your friend who's into weird shit to check us out or follow the facebook or instagram for the podcast at olympia oddities podcast for both if you have an idea for some for a really cool episode or your own haunting or cryptid to tell us about you can DM us or send us an email to olympiaoddities at gmail.com. I'm Trista, and my personal Instagram is at saloonghost. I'm Steven, also known as Chainsaw Arms Jackson. That is my ring name. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the Steven Ramirez. And you know what? I'll throw it out there. I started up my Instagram for my uh, adventure into my pinup modeling career, and I'm at Lucky Latigo, so you can follow me on that if you want to. And until next time, friends.